Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Friday, July 14th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Elderberries have become more popular among Midwest farmers, and they love growing the small purple berries. One of the neatest things is when this whole field is flowering and you harvest it or you're mowing it and it smells, to me it smells like some sort of honey vanilla. It smells fantastic. The fruit's growing popularity has the industry wrestling with whether to stay small or try and go big. We'll have that story in just a few minutes. Missouri officials want the U.S. Department of Energy and other federal offices to clean up nuclear waste in North St. Louis and St. Charles counties. As St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports, the call follows a report revealing federal officials minimized the danger of radioactive waste. An investigation by the Missouri Independent, Muckrock, and the AP showed leaders of the Mallinckrodt Chemical Works, which processed uranium in St. Louis, knew of the risk dating back decades. The report also found some leaders believed the nuclear waste was limited to a small area near Westlake Landfill. Requests from the state for more testing was ignored. Karen Nickel is co-founder of Jess Moms STL, an environmental advocacy group. She played at a nearby park as a child. We were told it was all subsurface. It was under the ground. We didn't need to be worried about it because it was all six inches and below. We believed that until about a year ago. Nuclear waste is shown to cause some forms of cancer. I'm Chad Davis. St. Louis Public Radio. A Missouri man on death row is asking Governor Mike Parson to stop his August 1st execution. Johnny Johnson filed the request yesterday. The Post-Dispatch reports he is citing mental and intellectual disabilities as the key reasons to halt the state-ordered execution. Johnson's lawyers want the governor to grant clemency or form a special panel to decide if the sentence should be changed to life in prison. Johnson is on death row for the murder of six-year-old Casey Williams in 2002 in Valley Park. The St. Louis Board of Aldermen Chambers will get a technology upgrade during the board's summer break. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Lippman reports. The city is upgrading the electrical system in both the chambers and the Kennedy Room across the building. That will allow for the installation of new TV screens and cameras, which will give both aldermen and the public the opportunity to participate in meetings remotely. The chambers will also get new microphones. Jay Nelson spearheaded the upgrades in his role as chief of staff to board president Megan Green. A lot of things stand in the way for people to have the opportunity to have their voices heard. And we feel like having the monitors give them the opportunity at increased public engagement. The board is covering the $570,000 cost using salaries that were included in last year's budget but never spent. I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio. Missouri's attorney general is accusing tax preparation firms of illegally sharing personal information with big technology companies. Andrew Bailey is suing H&R Block, Tax Slayer, and Tax Act. The companies are accused of violating Missouri's Merchandising Practices Act by sharing sensitive information with technology giants like Meta and Google. That's despite privacy policies stating such details would not be given to third parties. The lawsuit seeks full restitution for all affected people in Missouri. Two companies have recently received federal approval to produce and sell lab-grown chicken meat, but don't expect to find it in grocery stores anytime soon. Tony Moses specializes in product innovation with CRB. That's a Missouri firm 
which designs and builds labs for biotech and food companies. He says input costs need to drastically come down to make cultivated meat products accessible. The cost of this needs to be competitive with conventional meat that's currently on the market, if not less than that. He also says more companies will have to pass federal food inspections so they can ramp up production and become a sustainable meat option. The president and CEO of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis is stepping down. James Bullard will leave the bank in mid-August to become dean of Purdue University's business school. He has been at the St. Louis Fed for 33 years, including the past 15 as president. Bullard oversaw the organization through the Great Recession and the pandemic. Current St. Louis Fed First Vice President Kathleen O'Neill Pace will be the interim president and CEO while the bank searches for a replacement. Elderberries are native to the Midwest and have been part of food and medicine of indigenous people for centuries. But the commercial cultivation of the crop is relatively recent, and interest in the small purple fruit saw a big increase during the pandemic. As St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports, the niche crop is finding itself at the crossroads of trying to go big or stay small. Elderberries are pea-sized, a little sweet, and a little tart. They're also antioxidants and have become popular as a nutritional supplement touted as a way to minimize cold and flu symptoms. Elderberry products are a $320 million a year business in the U.S. that had a 13% annual increase in recent years. Patrick Byers is a horticulturalist with the University of Missouri. We've seen an explosive growth in the production and we've seen an explosive growth in the development of markets for this crop. Byers says while nutritional supplements are the biggest market for elderberries, in recent years, they found more use in flavoring beer and wine, as a natural food coloring, and in jams and jellies. And that has meant an increase in elderberry farms. One of the neatest things is when this whole field is flowering. Alan Helland is walking through his farm in central Missouri. And you harvest it or you're mowing it and it smells, uh, to me it smells like some sort of honey vanilla. It smells fantastic. Helen planted rows of these now eye-high shrubs four years ago. In most ways, he's a typical elderberry farmer, so pretty small scale. It's a portion of my farm income. Two and a half acres of new planting, you know, would not come up to, it wouldn't come up to a living. It's hard to pin down how much land in the U.S. is dedicated to elderberry farms. Missouri leads the country with 400 acres, much less than even one modest corn or soybean farm. But it's more land than the state has devoted to blackberries, strawberries, or blueberries. Helen says elderberry farmers have to do something else in addition, either growing other crops and raising livestock, or being their own manufacturers and marketers. If I was doing the secondary processing on all my own fruit here, then it very well might. While no one is making a living just being an elderberry farmer, some say it's possible. Chris Patton is the president of the Midwest Elderberry Cooperative and works with more than 150 farmers across the region. He says with demand for elderberry products projected to grow by more than 30% by the end of the decade, now is the time for elderberries to go big. And we have to be able to do large-scale commercialization so that we can meet the needs of the larger producers in, in the place of imports and uh, meeting the high-quality standards. Patton says just replacing half of the number of elderberries imported into the U.S. with American-grown crop would be huge. He sees elderberries having the potential to be as big as cranberries and end up in energy drinks, nutrition bars, and many other products. 
but not all elderberry advocates agree. I mean, we think we need to be in drinks, we need to be in all these these big outlets that people are pushing. Heather Wilson is a sales and social media manager for River Hills Harvest, a Missouri-based company that makes elderberry products and gifts. At the same time, that's going to drop our price. And again, you're going to have to farm 40 acres of elderberries to just make the same amount that you could make right now on two or three acres. She says the fruit's future is probably stronger in very small-scale producers who do more than just grow the crop, think you pick farms and agro-tourism. But for farmers like Alan Helland, having the option to either stay small or be part of something bigger might be the most promising way to develop elderberry markets and farms. It stays something that can be profitable for somebody on a couple acres, you know, kind of your thing. But then if it's organized correctly, I think there can also be the farmers who are doing, you know, 45 acres of it. Regardless of size, elderberry farmers will soon be very busy. The berries have a short period where they can be harvested, a two-week window in late July or early August. In Rolla, I'm Jonathan All, St. Louis Public Radio. That story was produced in partnership with Harvest Public Media, a collaboration of newsrooms in the Midwest, including St. Louis Public Radio. Ashley Lissenby is our news director. St. Louis Public Radio is a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.